0: Here's Ray Addison. Hello, everybody. Yes, welcome to Motor Mania. Thank you very much for your company this beautiful Saturday morning. Coming up over the next couple of hours, journalist Damien Reed will be talking about Dubai's crackdown on illegally modified vehicles. I'll be chatting to the founder of Electric Classic Cars in Wales in the UK about his business, which is giving new life to unreliable motors. Beautiful motors, though, to be fair. All that plus yesterday was National Stick Shift Day. Careful how you say that. But how many of you drive with one? I bet it's not that many. In the UK, I only ever drove manual cars. But when I came to Dubai, I drove my first ever automatic. And I have to say, I will never, ever go back because I'm I'm very lazy man. So that's our question in today's double poll. Firstly, do you drive manual or automatic? And secondly, are manual drivers more engaged and therefore better drivers? Time now though for Fix it
1: or Flip it.
0: Yes, we have an hour with motoring expert Matthew Davidson. He's the head of pricing at Algo Driven XYZ. Matthew is Motor Mania's valuation guru. He can tell you how much your car is worth right now and if it's time to think about selling it. All you need to do is give him details of the make, the model, the year and mileage of your car. You can use the ARN Play app. Let's see how Matthew's getting on this morning. Matthew, good morning.
2: Good morning, Ray.
0: How are you doing? You're right.
2: Yeah, I'm great. How's your week been?
0: Good, good, good. Giving up your Saturday once again to spend some uh, some some good time with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Um, I wanted to get your views, Matthew, on this poll before we go any further. Um, firstly, do, do you drive a manual or an automatic?
2: I certainly do uh, drive manuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my current car is an automatic, but I, nothing more... That I enjoy more than a manual. Uh, I, I, like you, I passed my driving test. Well, I think more than 30 years ago. Now mm. it was only manual cars back in the UK, pretty much then. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like a purist thing now. I, I see uh, manual driving being in the same ilk as uh, you know these vinyl record stores where purists go <laughs> yeah. and and enjoy music that way. It's kind yeah. of now when I meet up with guys that are in the the porsche club here that have the classic um 964s and 993 porsches um it's just it's just something magical about driving a manual car
0: mm. i i i used to think when i was learning how to drive that it was it sort of set you a bit of a, a bit above those who could only drive automatics you know if you've got a manual if you've got an automatic license in the uk Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you can't drive a manual car. You can only drive automatic vehicles. And so it seemed a bit of a no-brainer for me at the time when I was 17 taking my driving test that I had to train on and pass the test for a manual. And, and I, I sort of looked down on them a little bit. And then I, I you know, came out here and um, started driving automatics. I was like, what have I been wasting my time with this stick shift for?
2: yeah you, you you actually have the same thing here you can have an automatic only license or you can add the ability to drive manual mm. um i think the reason it's it the the adoption here was driven by the initial uh american and japanese cars coming in here um i mean if you if you went to america in the even in the 80s it wasn't unusual to see a lot of cars automatic um and i think uh look from from my point of view manual driving engages the driver far yes. more you just you're immersed in the whole driving experience. Um, if I if I did say there was a dislike for manual driving, it's just when you're in traffic, um, mm. that that left leg, that left calf muscle is working like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Particularly if you've got uh, a hard clutch. So, look for me, it's it's still something special. I know many people listening that uh, will understand what I mean when I say it's. It's getting to be a purist thing, mm. but it'd be interesting to see what what the the listeners say about this.
0: Yeah, this came, sort of came about because had you actually heard of uh, National Stick Shift Day? This is a U.S. day. It was started by a website, Cars dot com. Is this is this sort of a, a brand new um, celebration for you?
2: I, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. But I, I, just, I love how they just come up with days now. Every I know. every everything's got a day now, but. Um, well, it worked because we're,
0: we're, we're, we're talking about them, so, so I guess it worked. But they, they actually accompanied this day with a survey. They surveyed 1,000 consumers, and they found that 78% can drive a manual car, um, 72% said it was something that everybody should learn, um, and 48% said that they would like to learn to drive manual if given the opportunity.
2: Yeah, I mean... Those numbers are pretty impressive. I, I don't think you'll find that here. Right. Um, yeah, I think you'll find a lot, lot less um, people engaged in wanting to even drive manual. But um, any day that's related to motoring, I'm going to be behind it. So yeah. Uh, happy stick shift day.
0: Well, uh, everybody listening, uh, please do go on to our Instagram page and vote in that poll. Let us know, do you drive automatic or manual? Um, and do you think that manual drivers are just better, in, better drivers because they are engaged? Let us know. You have to go to Dubai, I-1038 FM, and we'll keep you up to date with the results of that poll throughout the programme. Now, of course, the reason you are here, Matthew, is uh, for fix it or flip it. And uh, we're going to use uh, take advantage of your expertise, your knowledge of, of cars to give live five valuations to our callers. If you want to take advantage of that, give us a call 871 or message us on 4001. The information Matthew needs, we need the make, the model, the year, the mileage, and as much detail on the condition of your car. Matthew will tell you the valuation of it today as it stands, what you could sell it for, and, and more importantly, perhaps, Matthew, uh, whether you should sell it or not. Because that's that's a key consideration for people.
2: Yeah, it, lots of factors come in. What time of year it mm. is? Um, if you look right now, there's many people heading out on vacation. Um, so I would be actually advising people to, to wait a couple of weeks if you can before even listing your car right now. Yeah. Um, so th- those factors really matter as well as what type of car it is. For example. Mm. Well, it's I... not off-roading season at the moment, and yeah. it's certainly not convertible car weather. So, yeah, we can talk about all those different dynamics as well.
0: Well, we've got a lot of texts here. Gerard messaged in, Matthew. He has a Jeep Grand Cherokee 3.2 uh, V6. It's white. It's uh, from 2018, and it's got 65,000 kilometers on the clock. Fix or flip?
2: Yes. So the, Greek, the Jeep Grand Cherokee is up there with one of the most popular cars here, Um we, we always talk about them because they're solid absolutely feel like you've got a ton of metal wrapped around you mm. and also they settle really really well um two types really out of 2018 the v6 and the v8 um with those type of kilometers if it's more towards the top of the range like the summit you'd be looking around 150,000 for that car.
0: Mm. And that, that's key, isn't it? The, the more detail we can get from uh, everybody who wants to take part in this, the better, and that's why it's a great reason to call. 04871 See the, the switchboard starting to light up now. Uh, Shanti messaged in. Uh, she has a Ford Explorer 3.5 litre V6, again, V6. Uh, it's blue. 2014, 94,000 kilometres on the clock. Fix or flip?
2: Yeah, another car that sells really, really well. That car will be late 30s, like mm-hmm. 39, maybe even 40. Um, but it's a seven-seat car, and it's really popular with expats. So I'll I put that out around 39,000. I think that'll move quite quick.
0: 39,000, Shanti. Hope you're listening still. Uh, let's go to line number one. Tony is our first caller of the day. Good morning, Tony. Morning, Jen. How you doing? doing all right i thought we weren't going to get any callers there for a while tony so thank you for calling in thank you to everyone else as well switchboard starting to light up what would you like to ask matthew
3: well i wanted to see if uh, what sort of valuation i might get if i try selling my audi uh
0: mm-hmm.
3: now or later and when to do it that sort of stuff so it's uh, it's a 2014 audi um miles on it or kilometers rather mm-hmm. uh it's uh, an a5 uh, five-door version um Generally in good nick. Always been serviced on time. Uh, the last couple of services were not in Howdy, uh, but the ones before that were. Uh, and yeah, looking to sort of get rid of and upgrade to a four x four. So I'm wondering when might be the best time to do
2: that. Nice, Matthew. Morning, Tony. Is it the S line? Yes, it is. Okay, you're looking probably around mid fifties for that car. Fifty five thousand, I would say. Um, In terms of when to sell, we we just talked about that there is quite a few people that are in holiday mode now. Eid al-Adha is coming. Um, So if you can wait to advertise, give it about 10 days, two weeks, because you only kind of get that first impression, that first few days to strike. Um, Once it's been online for a couple of weeks, it falls down the rankings of the major websites. So, yeah, I would say wait 10 days two weeks put it online for 55 that should move it
0: does that sound enough for you tony
2: more than what i thought i'd get so yeah that's fantastic
0: oh really what were you expecting
3: i thought it'd be mid-40s possibly yeah uh, i mean i, I paid about uh, 80 for it a couple of years ago so i assumed it would have dropped more than by
0: now oh nice well that's not too bad then is it uh tony thanks so much for calling let's go thank to you. L- thank you let's go to line number two and jack jack's our second caller good morning jack
4: Hey, good hey, morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> You're all right? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Listen, I've got a uh, F-150 King Ranch. Mm-hmm. I bought it from Altair. Um, I, uh, it was zero kilometers, but the the model is um, 2016.
0: Right. But and you b- it, bought it 2017,
4: it... yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I actually, I bought it in 2020. Okay. It's 2016. Model right it was zero kilometers it may be old stock, um, and uh, it's done fourteen thousand kilometers.
0: And what are you thinking? You, you're thinking it's time to let it go already.
4: Oh, I'm just I'm just trying. It's too big for me, so oh. I'm, just, I'm just thinking if I sell this, it's it's like almost five six years old, but it's done only fourteen thousand kilometers.
0: So let's get a price from Matthew, and then if you don't mind, can we find out how much you paid for it?
4: Uh, I think I paid one.
0: One forty. Okay, Matthew, what's it worth today? Well, that's that's.
2: A, I wish I had his energy for a start. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just early on a Saturday, um, but it's a weird dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it's a car that's effectively brand new in twenty twenty, but you know, it's five years old. Um, so quite a difficult one to price. But I would hmm. say, if it's a King Ranch, that car would still command in this market right now at least one thirty, maybe even one thirty five. Um, because of such low kilometers Mm. so you know and and bear in mind that there's there's been pressure on used car uh, prices because we we haven't had enough new cars actually purchased over the last three or four years which would explain why the value was better for the audi and also for this truck Um, so yeah i would put that out on the market for around 130 even 135 see how people react and go from there
0: how does that sound jack Good. I thought it'll be eighty thousand or ninety thousand. Oh, okay. No, no. Okay. Cool. All right, uh, <laughs> Jack. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, we're going to have to take a quick break. <laughs> You're back with Ray Addison on Motor Mania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Starting to get your text through on 4001 on the subject of today's poll. Do you drive an automatic and are manual drivers better because they're more engaged? Uh, Mark says, I love my manual truck. Automatics are boring. Why are they boring? I don't find them boring. It's like driving like a, a toy car, a little toy car and a toy track. Uh, and no name on this one, just quite simply says, manual driving is better. Uh, so, uh, so far, it's 100% for manual, uh, Matthew, on the on the text.
2: Manual driving is better. More fun. Do you really there
0: think? You I, don't, I, fi- I find automatic more fun because I don't have to worry about it. I can just concentrate on the driving rather than the the shifting
2: yeah I, I think as i said apart from being in traffic which then i really don't yeah. like man you're actually just driving along the highway shifting mm. gear being so connected to the car and actually connected to the whole movement of the car yes. the drivetrain everything it's just i don't know it maybe maybe you know you're talking to a car guy but mm. um, for me it's it's just amazing to drive a manual car
0: maybe if we had uh, congestion problems in this city like you have in the center of london and places and other you know other places like that maybe people would be um, sort of erring the other way
2: yeah of course yeah. then then give me a uh, an but automatic every time yeah. me, for <laughs> sure
0: matthew davidson he's the expert he's going to value your car for you let's chat to uh, sheriff first good morning sheriff hi good morning how you doing you're right Oh, good. All Excellent. Good, Excellent. Take it away, sir. I have a Grand Cherokee uh,
3: 2014 model, and mm. it's uh, 175,000 kilometers.
0: Okay. What sort of condition so is it? In?
3: It's good. I mean, I, I continuously maintain it in the agency, so there's no, uh, no issues out there. Okay.
0: Well. And it, obviously, it's getting up there in, in age now. So is that is that why you're calling today?
3: Yeah, so trying to think if I could just uh, really flip it or. The other the other question I have is, do I just tr- turn it into a uh, a desert-ready kind of car and spend some money on it and have it take it away to the desert rather than just selling it for a cheap price?
0: Oh, nice. I like that. Okay, Matthew.
2: Morning, Sharif. Uh, great questions. Um, first of all, uh, what is the trim? Is it, uh, is it a limited uh, and also the engine? Is it a V6 or a V8? Yeah,
3: it's a V6, a limited, uh, limited car.
2: Awesome. Okay, I mean... It- Let's let's tackle the value of that car first of all. It will be early forties, something like forty-one, forty-two thousand for the value. The kilometers are getting up there. I wouldn't recommend taking that car and actually spending any money on it for the desert. You're far better off selling that and getting a more Jeep, uh, like a, a desert-ready car, like a Jeep Wrangler, um, something a bit more suited to the to the desert. If you want something that feels a, a little bit more like the Grand Cherokee, go for Say an older FJ Cruiser, um again okay. a, a four-liter V6, more capable of, of of the desert for sure.
0: Okay. How do you feel, uh, Sherif, about having a car which you take out into the desert, or would you rather have something that is, you know, something for the commute and then something for for the desert?
3: Yeah, I wanted to. Like I said, I wanted to. If this is going to give me a funny price, mm. like ten thousand or twenty thousand or something, I'd rather just keep it in and spend some more money on it and whatnot. But mm. uh, as Matthew's advice here, it would be better off to get a desert-ready car mm. um, rather than just you know trying to um, uh, fix this one into or turn it into a desert-ready car. Mm. So.
0: Well, thanks for calling. Hope that helps. Uh, let's go to line number eight. We've got Danny on the line. Good morning, Danny. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Really good. Thanks for calling, Danny. Uh, what would you like to ask Matthew? Great. So I
1: have a 2019 uh, Lexus IS 350. Um, It's an S-Sport trim. I got it just before COVID became a thing, Mm. and it's actually been sitting idle in my garage for a very long time. So I have around uh, 15,000 kilometers on it only. Um, Now, my question is, the reason I got the Lexus was because I'm coming from a German car, and I love the reliability of the Lexus, and uh, this car is is somewhat performance-oriented as well, so I do like that aspect of it. so yeah, what do you think I can get for it? And if I do sell it, what do you recommend I get?
0: Matthew. Wow,
2: that's that's a a great question in itself. But we'll start with the price for the car. I mean, the the IS three hundred and F Sport is very desirable. Um, you know, a lot of people that buy the the three hundred, what I call the vanilla car, then see the F Sport of the lights and are very envious. My feeling is it's around. 150, 155 as a as valuation. Um, if you want to be a bit more aggressive, probably start at 149. Uh, in terms of do you want to stay in this ilk of, of sporty cars? I mean, you could go completely left field and try um, the, the the Kia Stinger is dropped in value now. Um, so that could be an option uh, if you wanted to, to try something completely different. Um, in in terms of uh something a little bit more uh japanese uh what about the supra the new toyota supra that's that's uh a thing to to behold so yeah there's a lot of options when you're looking at those little fast um coupes uh what else have you been looking at at, out in the market
1: uh so well i'm coming from mercedes so i was looking at the cla35 but that that does go a bit above the budget um but 150 sounds like a really good price point, considering I paid one sixty two for this. Um, and this was direct from the dealer as well,
2: uh, with only 5k on the clock. Um, yeah, so no, the, just there just isn't many on the market. It's, it's, uh, people need to understand that we had three or four years of no car sales here. you know 17, 18, nineteen, 20 were all very bad for for new car sales, which means uh, that we haven't got the used car inventory out there. I mean have a look yourself. Online and you'll see there won't be many. Uh, I imagine probably a few at best 350 F Sports 2019 2020. Have a look. Um, You're in a commanding position. I'm speaking to a lot of people that are driving cars for 18 months, two years and selling them for more than they paid for them at the moment. It's that market. Oh, wow. That's, That's amazing.
0: Danny, hope that helps. Thanks so much for calling in. Just uh, moving on, just because of time, let's go quickly to uh, Marios on line number one. Good morning, Marios. Good morning. Good morning. What would you like to ask, Matthew?
5: Well, uh, I have a car that I love, a Jag XKR. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's getting on a bit. Is it 2008? But it has an extremely low mileage. Uh, my wife has been driving it all these years. And she's only managed to clock 51,000.
0: Wow. She must have an uh, easy it's life. Always
5: been, <laughs> <laughs> it's always been serviced by the dealers at all times. Mm. Full service record with the Abu Dhabi Premier Motors. And I wonder if there's a market
0: for this thing.
5: Mm. If I had, if I could have any expectations, I don't really want to sell it. But
0: you're just thinking it's about been it.
5: with us for so many years.
0: Yeah. Okay, so it's a Jaguar XKR 2008, yeah. and it's only got 51,000 on the clock. Uh, one careful yep. lady driver, Matthew, got about yeah, exactly. a got about 60 seconds, Matthew.
2: Right. I know this car very well. Owned one at least uh, 10, 11 years ago. So I know it. Five liter V8 supercharged, 500 horsepower. Yeah really a weapon but look these cars they don't sell very well they're aging now it's 2021 i would say 65 70 is the value Uh, but if you really like this car uh, and it's running well keep it because you'll struggle to sell it anyway um, because people look at these cars as being very expensive when they get older. So uh, if you do sell it 6570, put it on the market, but I would consider consider keeping it if you have that lower kilometres.
0: Is it costing you much well, at the moment, Marios? It's not,
2: not, not really, not really.
5: But it's just that we decided to go more eco-friendly with oh, nice. uh, something like a Tesla.
0: Mm, <laughs> mm, mm, very nice, very sustainable. How does uh, 6570 sound?
5: It sounds okay to me. Okay. It sounds okay. Um, I, 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 we had some nice use out of it. So mm. if I could get that much, I'd be quite happy. Thank you very
0: much. Marius, thanks for calling. Uh, all our best to your uh, good you. lady wife as well. Uh, we have texts coming up as well after the break from Hadi. Uh, we also have Louis. We'll answer those in just a minute. This is Motor Mania. This is Fix It or Flip It.
1: Fix it. Or
6: flip it.
0: Zero four eight seven one double five double zero. It's We have some texters. So we'll go to those. Uh, Haddy messaged in. Uh, Haddy would like a valuation for a Toyota Prado TXL. It's from 2012. From 2012. It's a 2012. Uh, it's got... Uh, oh, crikey. This is, this is either a typo or it's been very well uh, used. 540,000. Uh, very good condition, though, says Haddy. Matthew, can we do an experiment here? Can you give us a valuation if it has got five hundred and forty thousand, and another one if it's just fifty-four thousand? That would be interesting.
2: Sure. I mean, (laughs) Hadi may have driven to New Zealand and back. Who knows? We don't know, do we? Um, Well, let's let's start with fifty-four. If it's a twelve TXL, still such a desirable car Mm. here. I mean, it would it would fetch seventy thousand. For sure, yeah. if it if it was fifty four thousand, but um, I think that car with those kilometres will still somebody will still want it. Um, I mean, you could swap out the engine in that car. Worst case scenario, but thirty five k probably about half that. Oh, I would really? say that would sell for only yeah, half. It was, Even it, if it
0: was sort of halfway to a mil- to a million kilometres. Yeah, the
2: Prado. Um, yeah, it's part of the Toyota Land Land Cruiser family. And uh, yeah, they get away with doing crazy kilometres. So mm. yeah, 35k, it would still sell for
0: fascinating. Uh, Haddy, if you if you're still listening? Could you just clarify for us? Is it fi- 54 or 540,000? I'd love to know. Uh, also a message here from Louis says good morning. Uh, my wife has an X uh, sorry, a QX50 It's 2016 full agency maintained. It's only done 55,000. How much will it be worth?
2: Nice car, I would say around Sixty-five, seventy. Okay, I would put that out on the market for. They sell. They sell relatively well. The QX fifties.
0: Well, that is the answer to your question. Jay's online on line one. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Good morning. What would you like to ask, Matthew?
7: Um, something different. Oh, two thousand and nine H two Hummer truck. Okay. It's just stupid to try and park it here in Dubai. <laughs> from another. Another country, uh, looking for something to transport a pack of dogs.
0: Oh, that is different. (laughs) I love this show. Oh, it's
7: banana yellow, just to make sure you're having fun. Oh, my
0: goodness. That's my favorite color in the whole world. Okay. And uh, mileage?
7: Hundred fifty, hundred thirty-four thousand.
0: Okay, hundred thirty-four thousand. It's a Hummer H two, two thousand and nine. Needs to get rid of it because of parking. Because he needs something to carry a pack of dogs, not wild dogs, presumably uh, trained <laughs> dogs. I'm assuming. Uh, Matthew, what would you like to say to Jay? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I never thought I'd wake up to this this morning. I know, right? Um, the, 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 well, first, of, first of all, we're, 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 well, go on,
4: Jay. We go we on.
7: Park, yeah. When we park, we often get notes. In the windscreen, would you like to sell?
0: Okay, yeah.
7: <laughs> and it's just so strange. Even even at traffic lights, people
2: ask you, "Would you like to sell?"
0: Fantastic. Well, there you go. It's, it's an attractive car. It's eye catching. But what is it worth, Matthew?
2: Well, yeah. I, I thought Jay was going to say that he was selling it because he's he's it's no friend to the environment. But we need to get something <laughs> bigger for the dogs. Um, they they actually hold their value really well because obviously they're not made anymore, and um, they're they're certainly imposing businesses buy them to actually put their logos all over them because you cannot miss them. Uh, I I would, I would put it on the market probably for 99,000, just a whisker under a hundred thousand. And then see how you get a reaction to that. Um, Then, then I I think if you get a good offer over 90, I'd probably take it, but I'd certainly put it out there for 99,000.
0: How does that sound on the price then Jay?
2: Uh, that's 30000 no, 40000 more than I bought it for.
0: Ah. Amazing. Okay. Fantastic. So, so you bought it secondhand then, obviously. I bought
7: it secondhand, uh, but it's, I mean, it's in good condition. It's in very good condition. So how did you but get such a good lot, deal then? Uh, someone wanted to do a fire sale.
0: Oh okay, okay. There you go. There's always, there's always that. Um, what about um, Matthew? What would you advise? Is there any? I mean, you've probably never been asked this before. What vehicle is suitable for carrying a pack of dogs?
2: Well, you, you, you just one. I, I, bizarrely, I have actually I've been asked that really? question a few times okay. before. Um, I mean, you, you can. It depends. You know what your budget.
0: Oh, we've lost Matthew again. We've got a very tricky line this morning. Jay, we're going to have to host the show together, um, if that's the... all right with you. Oh, oh, he's come... oh, oh. <laughs> You're back again, Matthew. We, oh. can... we lost you again for a second there. Carry on, please.
2: Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you could get something like a Land Rover LR4, um, put all okay. of the seats down, the, the back seats, and and the and then you can put, a uh, cage, if you wanted to, to put a cage, you could put a cage between the passenger driver and, and the rear, but that, that would certainly work and gives you a little bit of um, off-road capabilities. Or, again, something big like a Nissan Patrol or a, or a Land Cruiser and do the same. But you just want a, a big car with lots of interior space.
0: How does that sound? Okay. And, and, and will you go be caged or cageless?
7: Uh I'm going to try and do cage, yeah. bring the cages in. I think
0: that's a really uh, good idea, definitely, definitely. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for your call. It was a fascinating call, and, and certainly, uh, Matthew, you, you hear it every day. I don't. Uh, had a message here from Ramya. Uh, says, I have a 2014 Jaguar XF. It's three litre, supercharged. Top of the line, says Ramya. Uh, 125,000 kilometres. What's a good price I could expect, or should I just hold on to the car? Thank you
2: uh, they don't sell well,
0: oh particularly
2: the, the uh, XFs. Um, I would say probably late 30s, maybe 39, 40. Um, but you've got to look at it's quite an, a, an attractive car, an, an executive car, what you're going to replace it with for that kind of money. So if it's running well, and it's, it's working for you, keep it. Um, because you're not going to get much more than 40k for the car mm.
0: uh, i think this is a, a message from riz uh riz says good morning uh i have a toyota sequoia i can't pronounce this sequoia sequoia yes it's a four by four 2013 260 and a half thousand kilometers on the clock agency maintained would like evaluation
2: right this, this car is named after the huge redwood trees, the sequoias. Mm-hmm. Um, it's massive. This car is huge. What was the year, Right, I didn't catch
0: 2013.
2: that. 2013. Yeah, these sell like crazy, though. And it's always people outside of the region that buy them. Um, even with those kilometers, I think that's probably 50,000, 55,000. But um, if, if anyone's listening, Google Toyota Sequoia, S E Q U O. Ia, I believe. Um, it's huge. It's it's way bigger than a Nissan Patrol or a Land Cruiser.
0: Is it big enough for a pack of dogs though?
2: Yes, we should have mentioned this car. Actually, yeah. my fault. We should have dropped in the Sequoia. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, all right this is fix it or flip it uh with uh, and he's he's kind of like the the stato of cars if anyone uh, remembers stato from from fantasy football matthew davidson is here with us today he's head of pricing at algo driven uh that's algodriven.xyz if you want to check them out he's giving you live valuations all he needs the make the model the year the mileage and the condition of your car and he will tell you what it's worth today and whether you should sell it or not uh Lines starting to light up here. Let's uh, take a text though from Milosh. Milosh has a Lexus RX 350, so 3.5 litre. Uh, did I just do this? Did I do this one earlier? No, I didn't. No, no. It's a no, 3.5. No RX, no. I, I'm, just, I'm stuck because it's another V6. So 3.5 litre V6, 2014, and it's got 245,000 kilometres on the clock.
2: Yeah, the, the RX is kind of like a, a mid-sized SUV. Mm. Um, you, don't, you don't see actually huge amounts of them on, on the road anymore. But with those kilometres and that and, uh, and that, at that age, I would say that car would be about 45, 50k.
0: 45 to 50. Okay, that's for a 2014. Uh, Fifi, I love that name. Fifi uh, has an Audi S3 uh, 2.0 TC. What does that mean, Matthew? 2.0 TC.
2: Uh, I don't think she's she's got it right. No. That 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 car is uh, TFSI, okay. which is uh, it's a turbocharged fuel injection system. Um, but anyway, what, say, what it
0: says here idea. is 2.0 TCI four 2017 135,200 kilometers.
2: Yeah, it's a two-liter turbo mm-hmm. uh, four-cylinder. That's what she means by the I four. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, um, what was the kilometers?
0: Uh, it is 135,000.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of kilometres for mm. essentially a four-year-old car yeah, now. Right. <laughs> um, but they're still quite desirable. The S3, mm-hmm. I would say that would still command around 90K, mm-hmm. okay. ninety k, ninety thousand dirhams. Uh,
0: thanks to everyone who's been texting so far. If you would like Matthew to give you a live valuation, got him for about another fifteen minutes, and we also have to fit in a speed quote as well and talk about the F1 with Matthew
8: with Ray Addison on Motor
0: Mania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm going to have to speak really fast during this part of the show, Matthew, because we're running out of time with you and, of course, the switchboard always lights up right at the uh, the end of the programme. So we're going to get through as many calls as we can. Uh, Mohamed, Patrick, uh, Kate and Sarah as well. We're going to try and get uh, through four calls before we then do speed quote. Uh, Matthew, we had a, a, a conundrum solved. Esben messaged in. says TC equals turbocharged guys
2: yeah yeah but it's not written on the car that's that was my point it's like not a trim or whatever so yeah it does make sense for sure and, and good spot
0: thank you esben we appreciate it. and we like the little smiley face as well on the message okay let's get through as many of these calls as we can we've got about five minutes to do four calls matthew so there's a, there's a quick challenge for us um let's go to line number one and Mohammed. good morning Mohammed.
7: Yeah, good morning, Ray. How are you?
0: Very well. Thanks for calling, Mohammed. Um What would you like to ask Matthew? Yeah,
7: Matthew, I have a 2009 uh,
5: Volvo XC63, uh, all-wheel drive, uh, twin turbo T6, 176,000 on the mileage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the
2: market value?
0: Volvo XC, 2009, 176,000. XC, yeah, ah, okay. good morning,
2: Mohamed. Yeah. D. The um, XC60, at that age now, they don't command much value around 1920,000 or be the uh, price I'd advise to sell that car for. How does
0: that sound, 1920, Mohammed?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was expecting
0: around
7: uh, 25, 26. Oh
0: no, that's okay. That's okay. Was that based on looking at other, you know, other valuations online and things like that? No, no, no. OK. All right. Well, it's a secret. OK. I want <laughs> just to have a
5: new one.
0: You, you have what? Sorry, Mohamed?
5: I want just to buy a, a ah, okay. and buy the new xc the new 60 Got it.
0: I Got would it. like very much to stay with the Volvo. OK. Well, I hope that helps. Sorry for moving on fast, but we want to get through as many of these uh, callers as we can. Patrick's on line number two. Good morning, Patrick. Morning, Rick. You're How all right. you? Yeah, good. What would you like to ask Matt?
8: Uh, Matt, I have a 2016 Hyundai Azera
6: I bought it from you. It's five years old. This morning, it just turned 190,000 kilometers.
2: Well, good question. The, um, the kilometers are getting up there. In terms of value, it's probably worth around 26, 27,000 dirhams. Um, right. they're, quite, they're quite easy to maintain, you know, a small engine. Um, the, it's a Korean car. The parts aren't too bad. But um, yeah. it depends, I suppose, what you feel you can get next with that value. That kind yeah. of 26,000, 27,000. But um, it's at that age now where it's all, it's, it's high kilometers for a five year old car to start with. It's only going to get more and more difficult to sell. So I'd probably move it before it crosses 200,000 kilometers.
0: Okay. What do you think of that price then, Patrick? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's not bad. Happy with that? Car, let it it go. Yeah, 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 that's okay. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks for that, Matthew. Excellent. Thanks for calling, Patrick. Loving that. Uh, Nine number three is Kate. Good morning, Kate. Hi, good morning. Hello. Yeah, good. What would you like to ask Matthew? So I have a
5: 2018 Jeep Compass Limited Mm -hmm. with about 47,000 kilometres. I was wondering what the valuation would be on that. 47,000
0: 2018 Jeep Compass Limited, Matthew.
2: Nice car, Kate. Um, Probably 65 to 70k. Um, That's what... I feel that would be worth right now. But, um, you know, it's still quite young to to move it on. If it's working for you, I'd probably keep that um, because it's a nice car, the Jeep Compass. But 65, 70K is what it's worth.
0: Hope that helps, Kate. Sorry to move on quickly, but we want to get Sarah in just before we do speed quote. Good morning, Sarah. Oh, hello, so, hello. There we are. Hi, there hi, we are. Sarah, are <laughs> go for it. Go hi. for it.
4: Hi, Ray. Hi,
3: Matthew. <laughs> I just wanted to know, I have a 2013 Mercedes. GL500 Grand Edition,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and it's just under a hundred thousand on the mileage. I was wondering how much it's worth. Matthew, <laughs>
2: 2014 or 13? I sorry, I didn't hear.
3: 13, 2013.
2: Uh, 13 GL500, around eighty thousand with those kilometres. Um, yeah, yeah a, a car that sells well. Fit the entire yeah. family in the GL500 for sure.
3: Yeah, and it's in perfect condition as well. So eighty would be the maximum I could go for. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you could you could try a little bit higher, uh, maybe at 85. But my feeling is it's going to sell around 80.
0: Right. Okay. thank you so much. Thanks for calling in, Sarah. Thanks to all of our callers. And and sorry to everyone who we, you know, at the end, we kind of had to go a little bit quickly there. But that's because we wanted to fit in speed quote. Uh, We're not going to hang around on this, Matthew. Are you ready to start?
2: We're we're ready. Okay. we're ready to go.
0: There's eight to beat. Uh, We're going to start in three, two, three. One. Honda City, 2006. Silver, 202,000.
2: Not much. 10, 11,000.
0: Toyota Camry, 2012. White, 119,000.
2: 17,
0: 18,000. Mitsubishi Pajero, three-door, 2008. Navy Blue, 2- 214,000.
2: lot of kilometres and old, but they sell well, probably early 20s, 22, 23.
0: Ford Fiesta, 2011. Blue, 103,000
2: again not much 12 13000
0: Jeep Wrangler 2006 white 234000
2: Oh well, we love Wranglers and they still hold their value probably uh late 30s 38
0: 39 Hyundai Santa Fe 2010 red 184000
2: uh late 20s 28 29
0: Mini Cooper 2018 forest green 67000
2: well, if it's the 1.6 about
0: 75 Toyota RAV4, white, 2014,
3: 115000 No, <laughs> oh,
0: no, 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 no. What? Seven again. Seven. Oh, the producer's saying seven. Oh,
2: no. Really? Really, Ray? Only seven? I really went for
0: it. You, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, you could have improved there, Matthew. There was a little bit of extraneous conversation we didn't need. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: I'm only, Extran- I'm only extraneous is a big word for a
0: Saturday raid. I'm only busting your chops. I'm only busting your chops. Uh we appreciate everything you do, Matthew. Thank you so much. Uh but yeah, I think I think if we're gonna get more than eight, realistically, we just have to it just has to be a number. But I know but it but you're not a robot. You're a you like Stato, but you are not a robot. You're just a human being. You're a man, matthew and it's difficult.
2: Yeah, but it's not, it's not a game of shouting out numbers. It's a game of accurately pricing people's cars. So we've got to do it properly, haven't we?
0: <laughs> All right, then. Uh, yeah, we do, we do, we do. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much. Uh, what, what have you got coming up uh, over the next uh, week or so? Well,
2: today is, is exciting for me. Anyway, yeah. Well, if you're an F1 fan, it's exciting because it's the first time we're going to have a sprint race qualifying in F1. So yeah. normally what happens F1, Friday is practice. Saturday is qualifying, which determines the placings for the grid for Sunday's race. Mm -hmm. What's happening at Silverstone in the UK today is Friday was practice and qualifying. Now, the people that qualified um, on the grid will now start a 17-lap race, what's called a sprint race, where no stopping, no tires, no fuel, nothing. They race around the track for 17 laps. And then the order of how they finish determines the grid for sunday Ooh. it's super exciting and i'm sure uh damien will be all over this
0: yeah we'll be chatting to him about that later on as well espen messaged in on 4001 says maybe ray's reading speed is the issue do you think it could be it could be me it's my fault
2: i love i love apportioning blame yes. so that's that's one of the <laughs> best um messages we've ever, we've ever had on the show
0: so. <laughs> uh, matt thanks so much gonna have to say goodbye to you really appreciate it have a great rest of your weekend and we'll see you in a couple of saturdays
7: This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison.
0: Shut up and drive on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Motor Mania. What is it? It's your chance to talk cars and keep up to date with the latest motoring news. Still to come on today's show, I'll be chatting to the founder of Electric Classic Cars about his business giving new life to unreliable but beautiful motors. Plus, yesterday was National Stick Shift Day. But I want you to know, sorry, I want to know. I was just thinking, it's so hard to say that without getting it wrong that I I, I momentarily lost concentration. It was National Stick Shift Day, but I want to know how many of you drive with one. In the UK, I only ever drove a manual car, but when I came to Dubai, I drove my first ever automatic. And I have to say, if I go back to the UK, I will not go back to manual. So that's our question in today's double poll. Firstly, do you drive manual or automatically? Or automatic? And secondly, are manual drivers more engaged and therefore better drivers? At some point in today's show, I will be able to speak. Right, head over to our page at Dubai Eye 1038 FM and click on our story to vote, and I'll keep you up to date with the results throughout the show. The latest results that we have in are 92% of you drive automatic vehicles. Only 8% are driving manual which is, uh I don't know if that's higher or lower than you would expect, but um it, it's a lot lower than I would expect. And uh, we asked you, are manual drivers more engaged and therefore better drivers? 62% say yes, they are. And 38% say no. Uh Let's get the view from motoring journalist Damien Reid. He joins us on the line now. Good morning, Damien. <laughs> Good morning, right. I can't it's, talk uh, today, call- Damien, call- honestly. I hope you can talk. <laughs> honestly because somebody's got to do this and it's not going to be me um what do you think of this poll then david what are you driving i mean i know obviously i know you you test drive a lot of cars but your day-to-day drive manual or automatic
6: uh it's funny i've got a manual car back home Mm. um but i've but i'll drive an automatic here okay and uh i'm not surprised with those figures at all Mm. I, i think that um that shows where we're going um that majority of us buy, uh, buy automatic vehicles now. Although the majority of us say we'd like to own a manual.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but when when you when you moved out here all those those years ago, did did you sort of um, go looking for a manual, or did you just sort of accept? Because most of the the cars that are sold out here are automatic.
6: Yeah, so when I first moved out here, I bought a manual, Mm. and uh, because you know when I got my driving license, way, way, way back then, when television was black and white, (laughs) uh, there was no such thing as an automatic or manual license. Everyone got their license on a manual, and if you wanted to drive an automatic, then go for your life, but but you had to get your license on a manual, Mm. and uh, and even to the point where I moved here, I, I went. Really, you can get a you ha- you can get a different license for you know because I hand the keys to someone and say I can't drive and I have an automatic license and uh, it was a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, but um, but yeah, yeah, that that's the way we're that's the way everyone's going and and I think you know I've I've looked at cars and I've poured over cars like we all do and through through the through the websites and the car yards and everything else and saying oh, I would love to buy this car but another side of my brain. The the, the the correct side of a run that's kicking in to, to, to kick the emotional side into the bin is saying, well, you know it's going to be a much harder car to sell, yes. and uh, if you do need to leave you know for whatever reason or with COVID and all these sort of things that are going on now that, that always keeps that in the back of your mind, you think, mm-hmm. well, a manual car is going to be much harder to sell. So then I, I much prefer driving them, but then the, real, the, the realist kicks in and says, well you know what, you're not going to get as much money when you go to sell it and it's going to take a lot longer to sell.
0: Yeah, well, That's we'll, the dilemma. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll talk about the safety aspect in a second, but um, in terms of, you know, the way that the motoring industry is moving, obviously we're moving towards automatic vehicles in the, in the sense of driverless, you know, completely 100% automatic. So it just sort of makes sense that anything that that is, in, that is so manual, like a stick shift, would just sort of be useless, you know, and it, and it will eventually just never, never find its way into a car again
6: yeah absolutely and, and and you know when we get to things like you get groups of motoring journalists around the world and i'm one of them who are who are you know who, who they're in the game because we're passionate about cars we love it and we keep pestering car companies saying build manuals build manuals and occasionally they silly in a silly way they listen to us and they produce a manual but the reality is is that nearly all of us drive automatics and we purchase automatics and that the first the first survey that we're that we're running today, that's the one that the car industry listens to. Yeah, and they go, okay, ninety two percent of the people buy automatics. That's mm. that's the harsh reality. So, we won't bring in manuals. The Toyota has just stopped the, the the new Land Cruiser that's coming in, not coming in with a manual for the first time. Um, a lot of trucks now are automatic, like big big haulers. You know mm. that, that previously have been uh, you know uh 18 speed manuals are now automatics there's even a motorcycle that's coming in now that's sort of automatic I mean Moto Guzzi had had one yeah you know, oddball way back when but but now uh Honda are actually developing an uh, automatic um five um not five blade uh, goldwing motorcycle mm-hmm. so you know it, it, that's the way it's going and and of course yeah as we go towards Electrification, well, there's no gearbox, so that, that mm. rules it out altogether. So, yeah unfortunately for for the purists, the, the manual is an endangered species, and it's on its way out. I hate, I hate to hate to hate to say.
0: So, what about the the second question we're asking on our um, poll on Instagram? Do you think that manual drivers are more engaged in what they're doing because they have to think about changing gears every so often, and therefore, do you think that makes them better drivers?
6: Hundred percent, hundred percent better drivers. Mm. Absolutely, I think. That there's the you could probably find a direct correlation between the the incidence of distracted driving crashes and the, the and the demise of manual transmissions because mm. when you're driving a manual transmission you can't get pick your phone up and you can't Instagram and you can't you can't take yes. the selfies and you can't get on these you know you have to drive the car and you have to clutch in you have to clutch out you have to your your hand your other your spare hand is busy changing gears so yeah. um, when you don't have that people. You know, we all have a short of uh, human nature i think we have a short attention spans we try to look for other things and so we we then have the capability to pick up the phone or we or 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 uh, uh, play with the with spotify on the on the car on the car yeah. entertainment system or the navigation system we couldn't do that before and if you drive a classic car you don't have time for any of that you you you're you're concentrating on keeping the car going to where it needs to be going whether it's through non power steering non power brakes or manual boxes you just don't have time to do all these other things, yeah, and, and therefore you're focused on the job which is it,
0: it is you, you're you're very much sort of in charge of a machine. You're operating a machine rather than just. Turning, turning the machine or what we're going to end up with eventually and and, and very soon just being a a passenger, really, or an aware passenger in a machine. And so, you know, it it is it is the demise, isn't it? And I guess that's why um, this website, cars.com, decided to, to launch National Stick Shift Day in the USA, which had you heard of it before?
6: I've not heard of it before, but I'm all for it. I yeah. think, like, like Matthew said before, anything for the anything for the motorist a day, I'm all for. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's move on from that story. Um, now, Dubai police have been very busy because they have seized more than 2,000 cars, Damien, that have been illegally modified by their owners. This has happened over the past 18 months. And what's the problem with illegally modifying your car? Well, one of the problems is it causes a noise disturbance. And th- this is something they're cracking down on.
6: Yeah, there's there's several things that play here, and and illegally modified cars, absolute no-no, of course, uh, because you don't know if you're starting to play with cars in your own garage, and and you don't yeah. get it get it certified, then you're you know you're, you're tampering with with vital components, whether it be the braking system, the you know they're so complex now with with computers and, and the ECUs that you know you could be tampering with with vital things. So, yeah, the police are are, are clamping down on this. So, as you say, two thousand cars have been illegally modified. Um, the term illegally modified, though, it gets into a grey area. I had a situation with a, with a colleague of mine who had his car refused because the paint had faded on the roof of the car. Oh, really? And therefore, yeah, and therefore it was technically a slightly different colour to what it was on the registration papers. And I thought, well, that's, that's pushing things the other way. You know, mm. that's, that's going too far. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's, it's good that they're clamping down. There's a lot of vehicles, especially SUVs, you know, some of the, 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 the vintage sort of uh, Land Cruisers and Patrols. Um, they're running around thing I, I noticed too is that you they're running around in the city with with uh, des- with sand tires which are essentially a great in the desert but have no grip on the road here right and especially in conditions like this where we're going to see a bit of rain mm. because the, the grooves are cut differently and and they're a very smooth tire and they have zero uh, uh, a grip on on roads, so mm. you know that would be one of the things. I'm sure that they'll be clamping down on. Which there, there's a lot of things that, yeah. that that's good about it.
0: Well, let's let's say you know you, somebody like me loves their cars, but doesn't necessarily understand all the technical aspects of it. When you know when you take your car to the garage and the, and somebody suggests, well, why don't you have this done or or this done? You know, you kind of assume that they're not offering you anything that would be uh, would would then render your car to be committing offence or or you breaking the law in some way so what can what can we do to kind of make sure that we're um protected
6: well make sure that you know if you if you do have modifications fitted you can you can get modifications from the dealer where you bought the car from and therefore it's all covered yeah if you get them done at an independent garage or even if you do them at home there's no there's no issues with with being a, a backyard mechanic and doing it yourself but make sure that you've got that you then get it certified and make sure you've got the, the paperwork with it. Mm. Um, when you say that there's terms and technical terms, one of the one of the things that constantly raises a flag with me when I see this is the term power booster.
8: Yeah.
6: and they say they've confiscated cars with have added power boosters to reach a higher speed, and this also makes them louder. In my my mind, in in my history. It, there isn't a product called a power booster it's an incredibly vague term it's not you can't go to a shop and buy a a power booster they're referring to obviously some kind of modification whether it be uh, induction modifications uh, extraction system on the exhaust Mm. or whatever but But there is no such thing as a power booster, and yet it's being being targeted as being like, oh, he's fitted a power booster. I I would like to know from from the RTA what what exactly what they're referring to, because Mm -hmm. that would clear up an awful lot of confusion
0: for people who... I like your suggestion there, Damien. I think, you know, the best, the best thing is to go to the, um, you know, original dealer where you bought the vehicle and just sort of make sure that you are, um, having something that is legal. Cause I guess they're not going to be giving you something that is perhaps uh, sort of off market and potentially going to get you in trouble. Uh, more from Damien Reid in just a minute. We're back in
6: the driver's seat. This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison.
0: Dubai I 103.8. I just noticed, Damien, that there is a bit of rain going on in Dubai as I look out of the window here at Dubai I Towers. Is it raining where you are? Uh, it's getting very
6: dark out there, yes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, yeah, I'm just looking out the window now and the road is dark. So, yes, it's. Uh it's on its way, that's for sure. It's on its way.
0: I'm pretty sure it's raining. I don't know if it's just gone cloudy. I think there's, yeah, there's rain on the window on the outside. So we've had a bit of rain here. So be careful out there on the roads, uh, wherever you're driving. Um, talking about safety, there are new rules. We, we were talking about this a few weeks ago. The, um, the issue of these delivery riders um, delivering us all of our uh, lovely uh, takeouts and, and products and all the, all the things that we order and we want. Um, and yet, you know, we are concerned uh, for their safety and of course for the safety of other motorists as well um because there has been you know some instances where Delivery drivers have been sort of nipping about on the road and and, and accidents have been caused. Well, uh, Dubai's delivery motorcyclists are now getting specialised training and it's being overseen by the Roads and Transport Authority. They've brought out a manual as well, um, a special manual for them, which sort of lays down uh, all of the rules that they need to follow, including how to react during incidents with emergency vehicles. So this is good news.
6: This is great news, and I, and, and I'm really applaud the, this one because, uh, as I said, we discussed it a few weeks ago. Um, and a few things I really, really like about it is uh, is that they've also said that they must be wearing um, more protective gear, so protective padding with their clothes and 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 elbow pads. Um, and a fully protective helmet. Uh, David, sorry to
0: interrupt you. Um, Just as I look out of my window here at the roundabout, there has just been an incident between a delivery bike and a a vehicle, which I I can see. And, um, yeah, I mean, the driver driver is walking, uh, seems fine. Another driver is just stopping to check that he's okay. The driver of the vehicle, and I didn't see the incident, so I don't know what happened, but all I know is that the driver of a vehicle has stopped. Um, He's walked over to the driver of the motorbike and is um, checking that he's okay. The other driver has stopped. There's three drivers there now um, and everybody seems to be well and, and actually now they are dr- sort of driving off um, on, their, on their way, but everybody seems to be okay. Um, that is a live real-time example of exactly what we're talking about here.
6: Exactly, and in these conditions. And, and, and I'm hoping that he was wearing what we are just talking about because mm. he'd be able to get back on his bike and go away. No sandals, you know. I mean, <laughs> it shouldn't even have to be said that yes. wearing closed shoes um, make sure that they, you know, ensuring that their helmets are actually clipped up because a lot of them, because they're taking the helmets on and off all the time when yes. they deliver and put their cap on, they a lot of them just don't clip the helmet up. I mean that that's the first thing that will go scooting across the road if they do come off. So it's really good, um, you know, teaching them how to how to ride in these situations, giving them, making sure that they're not in the outside lane in the fast lane,
7: mm-hmm.
6: um, giving them a speed limit. These are these are things that are great um, that that's being brought in for the riders. I, I'd also would like to see, and I'd hope that there would be a, a, something also for, for some some guide, guidelines from from the owners, uh, whether they be restaurant owners or couriers or who, whomever, um, to the riders to not give them such you know heavy deadlines yes. or not to incentivize you know your 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 pizza is thirty minutes or it's free kind mm-hmm. of thing. Just it takes the time that it takes to get there and pay them a salary rather than a commission-based, you know, whether the, whether it's high, I don't know what the figures are, but, but if it's commission-based, then, then the incentive then is to ride faster and do more deliveries and Mm. compromise your safety. So,
0: I've been told I've start. been told one of the figures, um, which I won't I won't say on air just because it's secondhand, you know, information. I don't know if it's true or not. Um, you know, so it's here so effectively, but it's a lot more than people would think is all I would say. And 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 yes, you're absolutely right. That figure, that sort of average figure that, that some of some riders, I believe, are, are, are earning is down to uh, commission. And so there is that pressure, isn't there, to, to go and get it. So if if if, a, if if a large percentage of that salary was, um Uh, substituted by uh, sorry that commission was substituted by a basic salary a larger basic salary then there would not be so much pressure
6: yeah and and you know and we as consumer consumers also have to take a part of the wrap as well and and accept that things are going to take time to get here we Mm -hmm. can't be sort of saying look it's been 15 minutes now when when you know when the guys could have traveled halfway across the city or whatever it Mm -hmm. might be Mm -hmm. There has to be a little bit of all, of all sides to, to to chip in on this to make sure that these riders stay safe.
0: Absolutely. Uh, quickly, uh, we'll talk about Abu Dhabi. They Abu Dhabi police recorded uh, over nineteen thousand three hundred violations by motorists who were tailgating. They failed to leave enough space between themselves and the vehicle in front of them. And that's not just over the last sort of year or couple of years. That's that's just during the first six months of this year. Over nineteen thousand. Three hundred. Does that figure surprise you?
6: No, not not in the slightest. No. Um, and I'm sure it's probably representative of other emirates as well, not not just Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi has have have the cameras installed that that pick up tailgating, um, particularly on on the main highways. And, uh, and and that's the result of it. But I think, you know, if, uh, uh, to be honest, I think the, the fine of 400 dirhams is, is fairly light. The four black points is, is representative. I think that's 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 okay. Mm. But I think the, the hip pocket fine could probably be a lot higher because the thing is it intimidates the person in front. And and if you get a situation, particularly now with you know, speed cameras monitoring your speed, if, if you've got a, a guy in the middle lane who's doing five kilometres an hour under the limit and you want to overtake him, then you move to the outside lane, mm. you're doing on the limit... And then the tailgater comes up and he says, well, I can get away with another 10K. So he's pushing you to actually overstep the limit mm. when all you're trying to do is overtake, legally overtake someone. So it, it creates a, a unnecessary uh, anxiety for, do, for drivers.
0: Do you know what, though? I think it's made my driving a bit better because I, I used to sit in the in the fast lane and say, well, hold on, I'm going the speed limit. I don't I'm not going to move out of the way just because you're, you know, sort of flashing the lights at me now, you know. In in the last sort of uh, three, six months, uh, certainly my awareness has improved in the sense of I know that Dubai police are telling people, look, you need to move out of the way. It's a, it's a legal requirement. So I, that's what I do. And it, do you know what? It just, it's just much calmer driving. You know, you don't have that antagonistic. Yeah. You know, it, it's, there's no that none of that sort of macho nonsense where you sort of go, well, hold on, I've sat here and I'm not moving. You know what I mean? There's no, it's like, well, hold on, the law says I need to move, so I'm going to move. You know, and that, to be honest with you, I prefer it that way. I just, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm driving safer and there's none of that kind of negativity and aggression.
6: Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I think the phrasing of the, of the of the laws in terms of the outside lane is correct now. It's it's an overtaking lane. It's not it's not a fast lane. I, I just called it a fast lane, but it's not. It's, mm. it's an overtaking lane. So once the job is done, you you know you move back over, which yeah. is which is what we're doing now. And it it does. It takes away a lot of that stress, a lot of that anxiety. If someone wants to be an idiot and fly past at a million miles an hour, you know, let them go. But the problem is, is when they come up behind people and then start flashing the lights yeah. and and and, 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 and antagonising the drivers in front that's when you've got real issues because you know, that can also blind you. If, if it's, I mean, the number of times you see the guys with high bends on and you've got to flick your, your rear mirror to So that they mm. don't blind you, because it's it's distracting you as well. So,
0: well, I, you know, I guess if we're all moving over, then at least uh, you know it leaves the way clear for for we, we can see who's who's driving at those speeds, and, and it gives the the police more of an opportunity to sort of track them and, and take pr- appropriate action. Let's move on to uh, very quickly because we're running out of time, sadly, Damien, as we always do when we're having a, a nice conversation. Um, to uh, the effect of COVID on F one in this region, COVID nineteen has actually helped Formula One and and interest in it to grow in the Middle East and North Africa region. And and I know, you you know, this is something that you're all over and you're covering F1 all the time. Is this something that you've seen?
6: Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year, obviously COVID interrupted the championship and we dropped from 21 races to 17. But as a result, it became the entire championship was split between Europe and the Middle East. So it became a European Middle East championship last year. We had Bahrain chipped in with an extra race. We have Abu Dhabi. We had pre-season testing in Bahrain. And now we have the race this year in Jeddah coming along as well. So there's also talk as well, potentially, of, of races in, in North Africa. So Egypt and Morocco have been suggested. That's all part of our remit. Turkey came in and, and bailed out as well in Istanbul for a race. So, this kind of area has really chipped in um, and saved, uh, you know, saved a lot of jobs and a lot of people involved in Formula One. Mm. But the, the, the spin off from that is the audience numbers have gone through the roof here. We, um, the MENA region was the, uh, was the second largest growth market for Formula One television, a 228% increase wow. of, of TV viewers. Two hundred million households it goes into now, mm. um, it's a, it's a phenomenal growth, and and now Formula One in the UK, their the head office has recognised that they're going to start introducing Arabic text to some of the graphics for the for the feeds yes. just for our market. Wow. So that's, great. that's a really big thing, and, and it, yeah, it's it's because the Middle East has, has handled COVID so well, mm. and we've been flexible and, and adaptable in the way that we can get around this, and we've kept the the world's uh, most viewed sport alive for, for last year and then into this year.
0: Uh, Damien Reed at Damien Reed on Instagram and other social media platforms. You can find him, you can follow him, see all the behind the scenes, uh, things that he's getting up to, including the world of formula one. Uh, Matthew was getting very excited about F1 um, a little bit earlier. Um, what have you got coming up Damien? Just quickly.
6: Yeah, straight, straight back into F1. So mm. as Matthew said, we've got a, a, the first time we've got a race on a Saturday that will determine the grid for tomorrow. The British Grand Prix. There's 200,000 spectators there over the four days. Everyone's in love with Lewis Hamilton <laughs> and George Russell and the other, Layla Norris, the British drivers. It's an amazing atmosphere. So, really looking forward to calling that one later this afternoon.
0: Damien, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be chatting after this break to Richard Morgan. He's the founder of Electric Classic Cars. So you can take your classic car and you can turn it electric. We're back in the driver's seat.
6: This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison.
0: On Dubai i 103.8. Now, do you own a classic car which is becoming expensive and unreliable? If so, there could be a solution, although it's not actually in this country um, yet. You could convert it to electric. There would be no more plumes of smoke, no more smell of petrol, just a silent, reliable ride. Well, the world's largest converter of classic cars to electric Where are they based? They're in Wales in the United Kingdom. Uh, Earlier this week, I spoke to Richard Morgan. He's the founder of Electric Classic Cars and asked him how the company was founded.
8: I started Electric Classic Cars for the simple reason I wanted to go faster, more reliably with my classic cars. It was uh, nothing uh, more than that, quite frankly. I mean, I've been into motorsport most of my life and uh, I, I was doing the British Rally Championship for seven years And uh, I had a couple of classic cars in the workshop and I'd I'd built race engines and modified engines far, far, um, uh, you know, more than the power output that they should put out and I know it takes hundreds, if not thousands of hours to build a race engine and then probably about the same again to maintain them. And I just stumbled uh, across uh, the concept of converting a vehicle to electric one day. And I thought, right, instead of building this supercharged and turbo motor that I was going to build, I decided to just uh, go with an electric motor. So I did some research, um, found out kind of like the rough idea of how to do it. My background from a pre- professional point of view is um, engineering. So uh, I, I know about electronics and electrical side of things as well. Um, so I just, uh, yeah, it was no, no more than just wanting to go fast or faster more reliably let's say
0: I mean obviously you've got the skills to, to do it uh, and you did a bit of research you were able to do it yourself if you'd wanted to go to another company or find a company that could do it for you was there m- much options back then
8: no 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 there was back then um there was pretty much um uh a guy in the states uh, called Michael Bremen, and Evie West um, there was, uh, Marte Rimac had just, uh, done his, um, BMW. Um, so he actually converted an old BMW at the time as well, uh, about a year prior to me converting my first vehicle. So there was a handful of people globally that, um, you know, knew what they were doing. If you like, there was a lot of, as always, there was a lot of, um, you know DIY sort of Heath Robinson take a forklift truck motor and some batteries from a submarine and put them together but doing it properly there was precious few and I, I'm I'm a kind of uh, I got a little bit of an OCD issue so for me it had to be done properly or not at all sort of thing mm. so uh, yeah um, there wasn't that many around when I started doing it that's for sure
0: so did that kind of give you the genesis of, of the idea of maybe this could be a business
8: um, no, not really. I mean, where the business side of things came from, I mean, I I put uh, my build on, on, you know, as a blog on the internet, if you like, and uh, on YouTube and stuff like that. And people started following me and asking questions of how I was doing this, that and the other. And then through that, I actually got a f- couple of inquiries saying, can you convert my vehicle for me as well? And I thought, well, I can, but let me finish mine first sort of thing. And then I just literally went from finishing my first car to converting a client's car, but only as kind of a hobby in the evenings and weekends sort of like thing because I still had a day job. I still had a, a suit and tie job flying around the world, sort of like a type of job. And um, yeah, it, it only started to become, uh, you know, shall I jack in the day job and start this as a business probably about a year or two after I converted my first car. And I, I'd done one or two cars as a hobby sort of like, uh, for people in the evenings and weekends by then. And then I just thought, you know, I can probably just, you know, do this as a full-time job and why not? I mean, any, anybody that turns a hobby into a, uh, into their career never works a day in their life, quite frankly, because it still, you know, seems like, you know, a hobby to me. Well, not a hobby, but it still, still seems like you know, I'm having too much fun to be able to, uh, uh, call it work.
0: So, I mean, you, you've obviously, you've seen a lot of demand, um, you know especially in recent years is is that demand being driven by a need for sustainability and obviously rules and regulations in in cities um, you know like london like birmingham and places like that as well um no uh, i'd say the
8: it's less regulation i mean uh, if you're buying a new vehicle i think people are considering electric for new vehicles because of regulations and stuff. But when it's a classic car, it's different. A classic car is all about having fun, enjoyment. And, you know, I've had classic cars ever since I was 17 and I'm 47 now. So, you know, it's quite some time that I've had classic cars and I'm a rare classic car owner in the fact that I use them as daily drivers. Most people are hobbyists. They drive them on the weekend or a sunny day in July. Um, or in in Dubai, I suppose you can do that every day, but not here in the UK. And um, because I was using them quite regularly, um, reliability and maintenance becomes a bit of a chore, especially if you're um, relying on that vehicle to go back and forth to work. So for me and a lot of owners, it's more about, how can I enjoy my classic car more? but without the negatives that come with it, the whole maintenance, reliability, oh, there's a new noise, is that going to be a problem? Um, You know, I want to go out uh, tomorrow, it's sunny, but uh, it's not running right, and I'm a bit concerned as to it. All that goes away with electric. You know, if you want to enjoy it today, tomorrow, whenever, you turn it on, off you go, and it's 100%, you know, maintenance-free reliability. So I think most of our customers are coming from that point of view rather than, oh, I better get my uh, old E-type Jag uh, Converted to electric because you know of of uh, emissions laws and regulations for the government
0: I know that for um some classic car owners there's the one of the parts of the joy of, of owning classic car is actually having all the sort of original parts and, and and things like that. Is that a consideration is that maybe a bit of a compromise for some people if they if they're converting the car to electric you 're always going to get
8: like um you know, a, a, a breadth of like type of um uh, classic car owners from people that Absolutely, meticulously, obsessively, keep every single thing original, and that's fine because you know I, I used to be like that. Quite frankly, I, I had a, a show condition VW Beetle once, which was absolutely mint condition. Everything was brand, you know, it was it was stock condition. Um, and then you've got people that own them and use them and enjoy them and you know they don't mind um, you know modifying you know the heating to work a bit more efficiently because you know the classic car heating was rubbish so now I've got a good heater and that's more where I am now uh, and then you've got the, the the opposite end of the scale which is the hot rodders that will put a v8 in a you know in a Land Rover series to Land Rover or something like that and they want, you know, 500 horsepower LS swaps, you know, this, that, and the other. So we're more towards that, like hot rodding or electro rodding, if you want to call it, um, uh, side of things, rather than the, you know, keeping it all authentic, original, matching numbers, engines, sort of things. So, yeah, there's always going to be a, 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 a spread, if you like. Now, one thing that people quite often ask me is, don't you miss the noise of the engine? <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I would because I come from a loud Porsche racing sort of like background. And I, you know, I I honestly thought I would miss it. But as as soon as within about 10 seconds of me building that first one and taking it down the road, the noise is the last thing you think of because you put your foot down, there's there's this instant acceleration and it just doesn't let go until basically your, your brave pills run out essentially. (laughs) And you know, the last thing you're thinking of is, Oh, as you're accelerating down the road at such a pace is, oh, there would be much better if there was noise. No, you wouldn't. Every, everything else is better. The handling is better. The, the acceleration is better. Um, the the uh, reliability is better. That where the power comes in because it comes in instantly um, and all that so uh, outweighs the fact that there's no noise or, or I wouldn't say no noise. It's a different noise. It's more like um, a gas turbine sort of like noise. It's like sort of noise it's just different um, and I, I'm quite addicted to that noise now quite frankly and when, whenever I hear a V8, V8 making lots of noise now I mean okay it it's kind of a nice noise but it, I don't see it it's more for me it's more of a nostalgic noise now it's like hearing a, a spitfire or a propeller aircraft or whatever go over and I think oh you know that's a nice noise but would I travel with that noise on holiday to Dubai or something no I'd much rather be in a jet you know it's 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 the whole journey side sort of things for me. I mean, if you if you went on holiday to Dubai and you got out that plane and somebody interviewed you to say, how was that journey for you? I wouldn't, I would guarantee it, nobody would say, you know what? It'd be much better if there was a pala noise. You know, people have got over that sort of noise thing nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, for me, the noise thing is just, you know, it's a non-issue really.
0: You're back with Ray Addison on Motor Mania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Hello. If you're just joining us, going into the last 10 minutes of this uh, edition of Motor Mania. And before the break, I was chatting to Richard Morgan. He's the founder of Electric Classic Cars. And he's kind of offering a solution to classic car owners who find that the upkeep is becoming more and more expensive and the car's becoming more, uh, sorry, less and less reliable his solution convert it to electric and he's been doing this for about five years now after he did a conversion on one of his own cars so i asked him what were some of the top cars that he'd had in over the last few years things that got him excited when they came into the workshop and uh, here's what he said
8: oh uh, the first uh, ferrari we did Uh, We've done a few Ferraris um, and now we've got a Ferrari Testarossa in the workshop, for instance. But the first Ferrari was the 308 Mm. about two or three years back. That was exciting. The first big vehicle we had to do, so I'm talking 4x4, um, was a Range Rover Classic. We've done a lot of Land Rover Defenders and things like that. But the first 4x4 was exciting because it was a challenge. We hadn't done a 4x4 vehicle before. We hadn't done something which was as big as that Uh, So lots of new challenges on that. I enjoyed doing that Range Rover Classic. And I think probably one of the most recent builds we've done is, um, you know, one of my favorite, which is a Mini. It seems weird being in the UK, you know, you would have thought a Mini would have been one of the first vehicles we've done. But it's not. I mean, uh, it's only now we've had a, a client bring us a Mini and we've put a Tesla drive unit in. So now it's a 300 horsepower tesla drive unit mini which is going to be an absolute rocket on the road i can't wait for it to in fact i'm literally as soon as i finish this interview going to be going out there to test drive it for the first time
0: brilliant brilliant uh, maybe you could record um on your phone like a little bit of the sound and send it to us that would be, be brilliant if you get the chance uh famous clients obviously i've got to ask about the famous clients um i saw in the article um that we that we found you guys in about ellie goulding and dev patel as well um yeah can you, can you kind of kind of reveal anything about that experience? Um, yeah, we, we've
8: got quite a few clients like that, but um, quite a few of them we're not allowed to um, mention, which is a bit annoying. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we've had quite a few sort of, like, celebrities um, and, you know, we, we've had vehicles sent to us from Hollywood all the way to the UK. We've then converted it and, you know, restored it and then sent it back. Um, but yeah, Ellie Goulding, um, her wedding vehicle was a, um, a VW bus that we converted to electric. Lovely that was. Um, it was it was what's called a microbus, not a camper interior, but a microbus is more like a minibus that they did. So lots of big area for interior inside, um, which is ideal as a wedding vehicle, quite frankly. Um, so yeah, Ellie uh, used that as her wedding uh, vehicle in York. Um, Dev Patel... Um, he had a little um, Fiat 500. Um, I think he called it Peanut or something like that. <laughs> you know, and uh, Dev's Dev's not short. He's quite a tall chap. Mm. And to see him, uh, you know, driving around LA in this little uh, Fiat 500 and getting out of it, it was, it was quite funny. And then, um, yeah, he sent it over to us to get um, to have the ECC treatment basically. So we've completely restored it uh, now and uh, converted it to electric, and it's just about to go back to him now. So. Uh,
0: yeah so how, do you have to be a celebrity to to be able to afford it how what sort of price range are, are we looking at uh, no not really I mean it's not cheap
8: um, I mean um, but it's a bit like asking how much is a car because you know um, you can have a small city car like a Fiat 500 with 50 mile range for instance and you wouldn't probably do 50 miles in a week in cities like London for instance or, or Dubai Um, so a small vehicle like that would be anything from say 20 25k right the way up to a hundred thousand pound plus for you know a big vehicle with you know a long range uh, all the mod cons like electric air conditioning power steering etc etc sat nav you know so it ranges from say 20k to 100k plus really
0: and I, I read as well that you um, also offer conversion kits to people and you're sending those out um, around the world. What, what sort of people are buying those? And, and let's say I wanted to um, buy one of your kits. Should I do it myself or do I take it to my, my trusted <laughs> workshop? How how does it work? Yeah. Well, um,
8: we, we sell conversion kits to, to, custom, um, to companies, is probably the easiest way to put it. Right. If we sell conversion kits to end clients, Um, it's a dangerous path to go down because you don't know that that end client is capable of you know safely dealing with say 400 volts Um, so you've got to be a little bit careful um, selling kits to end um, you know the general public so what we do is we we sell kits to workshops that want to convert vehicles um, to electric And it's up to them then to, you know, train their staff to be adequately, you know, um, know, trained up on how to be able to deal with EV uh, systems. And we've got a number of like, you know, customers around, you know, around the world. There's one in Bahrain, for instance, um, that are converting vehicles um, uh, to electric. Um, And we've got a company in the States, uh, ECD, that specialises in defenders, for instance. We've got another one down in Africa. Uh, electric safari vehicles that are specializing in electrifying safari vehicles because electrification works really well there when you go off into see giraffes and what have you in the wild quietly like you know crawling along in an electric um, Toyota Land Cruiser or a Land Rover Defender is perfect because you can hear all the birds tweeting you can hear the the twigs crunching underneath the tires and there's no smell of diesel fumes etc no noise pollution it's it's a lovely experience so
0: yeah Um, Obviously, this is now just booming and booming and booming and, and, and uh, new companies opening up all the time. Do you guys have like a plan to sort of stay ahead of the competition or are you just going to keep doing what you're doing and, and, and sort of rely on the success that you've had? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird... Path that
8: we've been on in the past what, four or five years I've been doing this. Is, you know, it only seems like yesterday. I was just building that first one in my garage, and now we find ourselves the the largest electric classic car converter in the world, uh, which is uh, you know a great place to be. But I, I've always been, um, I, I've always immersed myself in the innovation and keeping myself on the forefront of technology, even in my other um, uh, you know business, if you like. So I'm quite comfortable in that position. And that's you know where I want to maintain uh, electric classic cars on the forefront of technology we' all'll we'll always be at the higher end of like um, the quality and the the costs because if you want a job done properly it, it, it is it'll cost what it costs if you know what I mean. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I see us just maintaining our leading position in, in as far as innovation and technology uh, is, is concerned. But obviously, because of our success and our business model is, you know, definitely one that works. We're seeing you know competition come in now, and you know that's fine. I've got no problem with that because obviously we can't you know convert every car out there. <laughs> you know, there's bound to be um, more cars that we can convert. Um, but I just got to concentrate on just uh, ensuring that we are. Uh, at the very cutting edge of uh, what we do Uh,
0: we are going to be back on saturday on the 31st of july Uh, just time to give you the results of the poll six percent of you drive manual 94 percent automatic and 48 percent of you say yes manual drivers are better see you next time